This episode is brought to you by Paramount Plus. Get in, loser! Mean Girls is now streaming on Paramount Plus. Join Katie Heron as she meets the plastics and Tina Fey's new twist on the modern classic. Get ready for more of the rumors, backstabbing, and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises. Rated PG 13. Wear pink and head to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Little Wing is now streaming on Paramount Plus. I'm in a period of emotional people. Let's have all the oh, I don't care crap. A little adventure. Where are you going? I'm gonna steal a bird from the Russian pigeon mafia. Let's do it. Goes a long way. <laughs> Starring Brooklyn Prince with Kelly Riley and Brian Cox. Life can hurt, but life is sweet. Little Wing, rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Now streaming exclusively on Paramount Plus. And the Oscar goes and to. And the Oscar goes to. Oscar goes to. My only object in being here is to try and get at the truth. What shall I go? What shall I do? He's looking at you, kid. Frankly, my dear, I don't give a damn. Could have been a contender. Fasten yourself. I could have been somebody. They can only kill me with a golden bullet. What have I done? Call me Mr. Tibbs. I'm gonna make him an offer. Oh, really? Love is is love. Too weak a word. Stay back. I love you. I love you. I love you. I did as you saw. If there's something wrong, it's wrong with the instructions. This ain't reality TV! Respect it and validate it. Remember that you told me? It's time, Robbie! Welcome to the next Best Picture Podcast. It's time! Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 25 of the Next Best Picture Podcast. I am your host, Matt Neglia, and today I have with me Michael Schwartz. Hello, everybody. We're down to the wire here. We are. We most certainly are. Michael, how many Oscars is La La Land going to win? Uh, Between 9 and 12, I want to say. And also joining us is Kristen Lopez. Hello, everybody. Kristen, how many Oscars is La La Land going to win? Too few to please its fans and too many to please its haters. (laughs) (laughs) That's actually probably the most accurate answer I've heard yet. (laughs) I try. Spot on. Spot on. (laughs) All right. Well, I mean, listen, the thing is that we know it's going to win Best Picture. We know it's going to win Best Director. Uh, Tech categories are a little bit in flux right now as we speak. They're more open than we had thought. Yeah, definitely. I'm definitely scratching my head on a lot of these categories now after the BAFTAs, uh, which were just announced uh, yesterday. So, we're recording this on the day after, and this is actually the day where the ballots have now gone out to Academy members. Uh, voting is now officially in progress. So we've gotten our last bit of uh, acceptance speeches and everything else. So I want to start off with BAFTA because that definitely is the news of the week here. Uh, we had a couple of awards uh, that don't really have much bearing on the Oscars. Like, you know, I Daniel Blake won for Outstanding British Film. Uh Tom Holland won for E.E. E. Rising Star. Um, what else do we have? Outstanding debut by a British writer, director, producer went to Under the Shadow. Things like that. Uh, a couple of things, though, in the tech categories, like makeup and hairstyling, went to Florence Foster Jenkins, which isn't up for the Oscar. Um, still a complete shocker and a surprise to me. Uh, but I think we all have Star Trek Beyond uh, predicted right now for the Oscar. Is that correct? Yeah, but that is such a boring category. I mean, I haven't even returned to that since nomination morning. Oh, yeah. It's it's definitely kind of lost all of its... I guess the word I'm looking for is prestige in a way. Uh, unless if you want to count a man called Oof. 
Yeah, I mean, I can't speak to Mankad Uwe because I still haven't seen it yet. And going through like these tech awards here, as the evening at BAFTA was going on, one of the most fascinating things was that not a single film, not a single film, including La La Land, had won uh, more than one award up to a certain point in the evening. Uh, I mean, La La Land had gotten uh, original music, which is a lock, we all know. Jackie uh, repeated its Critics' Choice win and got costume design at BAFTA. Sound. Now, sound is interesting. Sound uh, is a combination of sound editing and also sound mixing. BAFTA just kind of like throws it all into one award, basically. And they gave it to Arrival over Hacksaw Ridge and La La Land. Like, I didn't see that coming at all. You know, editing went to Hacksaw Ridge. That's a number one that La La Land didn't win. Production design went to Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Well, that doesn't surprise me one bit. But La La Land only has one win at this point. We were expecting a huge sweep. I mean, even the artist won seven BAFTA awards, for goodness sake. You know what I mean? Like, this was sh- this was shocking. I mean, I don't think this is anything against La La Land. I just think it's them branching out into some of their favorites. and Some of those are British favorites. Mm-hmm. So... That's a good point. I don't know that we'll see a repeat at the Academy. Yeah. But it's just interesting to note, I guess, for this individual award. Well, I've already started my in-depth analysis of each Oscar category, and I'll be continuing that up until the Oscars, where I analyze from a stats perspective, um, combination of Critics' Choice, Golden Globe, BAFTA wins, Critics' wins, and just trying to go through past history to find trends and things of that nature, and also using gut instinct in a lot of instances to try and decipher the wins here. And I'm still like unsure on a lot of these categories. Um, Documentary went to 13th, where O.J. Simpson Made in America was not nominated. Foreign language film, no help there. They awarded Son of Saul, uh, which is a deserved winner uh, when you take a look at the uh, nominees that they had in that category. Adapted screenplay. This is where I think everybody started going, what is going on here? Adapted screenplay went to Lion, along with supporting actor for Dev Patel. So why is adapted screenplay a surprise? Because Moonlight was not in the mix here for adapted. Because I I know that for a fact, a lot of people just had... uh, There's a lot of people that just weren't predicting Lion. A lot of people had Arrival predicted. I don't remember what I predicted for that category. Did I predict Arrival for that? Uh, I think you did. All right, I... Looking back on it now, and I say this after the win, I think I probably should have gone with Lion because that's a film that comes from British backing, has an international cast. You know, there's always that British connection with India. And it's just, I don't know, there's a lot of love for that, not just with BAFTA, but apparently within the Academy. When I listen to somebody like Pete Hammond or Ann Thompson, one of the big pundits, talk about what's hitting with Academy members... The three movies that they always bring up are La La Land, uh, Manchester by the Sea, and Lion. Yeah. We'll just assume we'll just assume that the British are apologizing for that whole colonialism thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, not Manchester by the Sea. It was Hidden Figures as the other one. La La Land, Hidden Figures, and Lion. Hidden Figures didn't make a dent here at BAFTA, but we'll talk about that in a little bit, um, actually. Uh, supporting actress though, went to Viola Davis for Fences, which is not surprising in the least. She's got that category completely locked up. 
animated film went to Kubo and the Two Strings. I say this with emphasis because BAFTA, since they've been handing out animated film, has never gotten animated feature wrong except for one year, and it was the year that the Lego movie, which they awarded, was not nominated for the Oscar. So I know a lot of people have been looking at Kubo and the Two Strings' uh, stance all season uh, and its place within... Uh, a lot of these guilds, uh, costume design guild nomination, uh, visual effects, Oscar nomination, thinking it's got broad support. Could we be looking at an upset? I don't think so. And here's why. Zootopia, as we've said many, many, many times on this podcast, is a film that taps into the culture right now. I mean, you really don't get more relevant than what that film is about. And Kubo and- and the two... I was going to say, I stopped predicting spoilers after Big Hero 6, so I'm of the group that they're firmly Disney or bust. Mm. So you think that the passionate Disney fan base is going to come through for Zootopia, essentially? Disney fan base, Disney dollars, take take uh, whichever version you want. Yeah, no, no, I, I, yeah, I, I think that they just, they love... They love Disney, and it helps that that's on Netflix now. And that's a good point. It seems like that's that's been around forever since it came out. What back in March? So, I I just I think that they're gonna stick with what they know. So again, when Big Hero Six, and again I like Big Hero Six, but it was not the best animated film that year. When that wins, I just I think we've kind of proven it. Well, going off of that too, I think why Kubo won here has to do with what the film is. I know it comes from, I believe it's uh, Portland, where Leica is located. They're an American company, but Kubo very much feels like a European film, or not just European, I'm sorry, but Asian film. It, international is what I'm trying to say. Mm-hmm. And I think that appeals more to an international voting body. I also think, too, that the animation is something that truly does win you over when you watch it. Um, and Zootopia, maybe for some of these voters, came out so long ago that unless if it's been able to stick with them all this time, I think maybe people tend to remember the visuals of Kubo. But you, you're right with something here, Michael, and I, I do agree with this. I think American audiences remember Zootopia a lot more. Yeah. And if we're being technical here, Zootopia wasn't even nominated at BAFTA. It was Zootropolis that was nominated. (laughs) So Zootropolis lost to Kubo. That's true. Uh, Visual effects went to Jungle Book. No surprise there. I think that that is a firm uh, pick at this point, unless if there is, once again, another kind of surprise or an upset. Um, It also, I know, walked away. uh, I'm jumping around here a little bit. It also walked away with the top award at the Visual Effects Society. Um which announced its winners this week. Other films, which also got mentioned, uh, like Outstanding Supporting Visual Effects, went to like Deepwater Horizon, which is also nominated. Uh, Outstanding Visual Effects in an animated film went to Kubo to Two Strings, which is also nominated. And, I mean, Doctor Strange picked up an award. Every- everything picked up an award, except for Rogue One, A Star Wars Story. And I do believe that there is a sort of biasness that is growing against that film like a movement so to speak because of the Carrie Fisher and Peter Cushing uh, CGI effects I I don't think that actors most of all um, and and I know this isn't speaking for the visual effects society but uh, the fact that it 
didn't win here at BAFTA or really anywhere else uh, leading up to this. It's kind of like just speaking to people who do not like this new technology as far as I know Carrie Fisher was alive when the film came out, but you know what I'm talking about here. I just thought you were going to say it was because it sucked. <laughs> no, 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 no. I mean, listen, it doesn't it doesn't suck in the sense that on a general consensus level, I mean, we've even seen movies that have really, 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 really bad critical and audience reception still do very, very well in this category, still manage to get nominations. I mean, look at Transformers, you know what I mean? So I don't think that quality has anything to do with it. It's a matter of how much they're being wowed by the visual effects. And I think they find the visual effects in Rogue One, a Star Wars story to be uh, threatening, if anything, to an actor's uh, legacy. Because at the end of the day, that's not Peter Cushing on the screen giving a performance. And so I don't know how many people would interpret that. And I think there's definitely some sort of a backlash that is brewing there. So I think it's out. I think Jungle Book is in. Uh, Supporting actor, like I said before, Dev Patel for Lion. Original screenplay, my boy, Kenny Lonergan, Manchester by the Sea. (laughs) You're a New York Film Festival buddy. Yes, yes. I saw him in the hallway. <laughs> oh, man. I, I literally, I think I said like 60 words to him, and the only words he said to me were, gee, thanks. And then he just walked away. Yeah, but whatever. He's a man of few words. It, it's funny. I was watching uh, the backstage after Mel Brooks received his award, which we could maybe touch on later. No, we could touch upon it now. Totally deserved, man. I mean, that was amazing. That highlight reel of his career, guy's done it all. I mean, I think I mentioned it here before, but Mel Brooks is uh, just an inspiration to me. His work means so much, and he's responsible for the personality I have, my sense of humor. The Producers is maybe the greatest thing I've ever seen across film and theater. It's brilliant to me. So anyway, Mel Brooks is sitting backstage with Stephen Fry after he gets his award, and he's talking about being there for the night, of course, cracking a few jokes. But then he made this observation that the people who were giving speeches for the short films go on and on and on. And Kenneth Lonergan, this acclaimed writer who writes Manchester by the Sea, just says a few words and carries on. <laughs> it's the writers who have the least to say. I wanted to say, too, for the record, I think Mel Brooks had my favorite uh, quote of the evening at BAFTAs, which was something along the lines of, um, I want to thank Harvey Weinstein for having nothing to do with this award. <laughs> yeah. You know, that guy is 90 years old. Oh, yeah. And he, his mind is sharp as a tack. He gets around. He does his thing. I mean, he doesn't make films anymore, I think, just because he wants to retire. But if someone gave him money tomorrow and said, go make a movie, I think it would be just as good as anything he's ever done. I, I highly doubt that, honestly. Well, maybe not the producers or Young Frankenstein, but let's, I think he still has it in him to do this his thing if you want to my friends still make fun of me for secretly yelling at him unknowingly i was yelling at him uh at the tcm film festival like two years ago oh really i was waiting for the bathroom and there's only like one handicapped bathroom in the theater that we were in and of course it was me some little old lady and they were like there's someone in it and i was like seriously what jerk waits, makes, you know, cuts in front of the handicapped people to go into the bathroom and out pops, you know, Mel Brooks. And I was like, oh, um, I'm kind of sorry that I yelled at you. Um, but yeah, so I, I technically uh, tell people that Mel Brooks and I shared a bathroom once. Um, <laughs> Did he say yeah, anything my, to you? 
No, no, he just, he, he smiled at everybody and the little old lady who had been waiting in front of me went into the bathroom and it was business as usual. But yeah, I, my mom was like, well, did you ask for, you know, a photo? I'm like, mom, the man just came out of the bathroom. Okay. I wasn't going to jump him and be like, Hey, I need a picture. But yeah, I, I did unintentionally, um, yell at him because yeah, really one bathroom. <laughs> That's your uh, Alan Arkin from uh, Argo. I took a leak next to him at the Golden Globes. <laughs> <laughs> I did. I did miss. Um, I did miss Alan Arkin when he was at the TCM Film Festival um, doing doing the conversation. Uh, I think it was three years ago. But um, Mel Brooks will be at TCM again in a couple of weeks. So maybe him and I will actually talk this time. I don't know. Wait, Matt. Speaking of that Argo line, you know who it was Alan Argo or Alan Arkin's character went to the bathroom next to? Warren Beatty. Yep. The man who's presenting Best Picture at the Oscars this year. Yes, uh, him and... Um, Faye Dunaway. Faye Dunaway. Yes. A, a woman I have been in the same room with, because I got to see her TCM conversation last year, and holy God, is that woman intimidating. I love her so much. I adore Faye Dunaway. And One yeah. of my favorite female performances of all time, uh, her in Network. Yeah, I, I absolutely love her in that movie. Yeah, there, there was, um, there was a moment when we were waiting for the conversation that she was doing to start, and um, she was sitting in the chair and was looking for earrings, I think. And everybody, like, literally, I have never seen grown people just start like hopping to trying to find this woman's earrings, and she says she just looked at the audience and was like, "It's okay." My assistant so-and-so has them. And she turns to, like, the wings. I don't know what happened, but that woman had earrings on her face in 30 seconds. I mean, yeah, it's like she's physically terrifying, and I love it. Was that the interview where Ben Mankiewicz uh, interviewed her? Yes. Yeah, I, I, I actually listened to that whole podcast. I loved it. Uh, she is so, just such a class act. I, I, I adore that woman. So happy to see that. Her and Warren Beatty will be presenting at the Oscars. Um, For the 50th anniversary of uh, Bonnie and Clyde. Yeah. Maybe that'll be like a theme this year uh, uh, of some sort. Um, a lot of anniversaries this year. The Mark Harris book, Pictures at a Revolution, yeah. covers 67. Mm-hmm. So all those movies turn 50, like a Graduate in the Heat of the Night. Oh, Which was just just announced as the uh, opening night film for the TCM Film Festival. It's yeah, going to be in that. the heat of the night. Mm-hmm. 75th anniversary of Casablanca this year. Uh, I think Kristen's plugging something. I can't be 100% I'm going. Sure. Yeah, I'm going. I mean, it's not, it's, I don't really need to plug it. I'm already going. So, but uh, Just I will, rub it in our faces then, why don't you? I will be there <laughs> um, stalking Ben Mankiewicz and various celebrities, so. Will Lee Grant be there for In the Heat of the Night? Yes, she will I be. I sat next to Lee Grant two years ago at a screening of Shampoo at my local art house theater, and that woman is a dynamo. All right, well, continuing my story about sitting in the sixth row at the BAFTA award ceremony um, <laughs> from my living room, by the way, uh, cinematography went to La La Land, and this is where La La Land got its second award of the evening. Uh, a well-deserved win, in my opinion. I do think it's the best cinematography of the year. Lead actor went to Casey Affleck for Manchester by the Sea, uh, which was expected considering that Denzel Washington was not nominated here at BAFTA. Uh, but certainly gave Affleck uh, a boost considering that the ballots officially uh, you know, did go out today. So it is the win that is most fresh in people's minds. However, Affleck, when he got up on stage once again, didn't do himself any favors. He didn't really do anything to make himself stand out. He tried. You could tell he's like trying, but he's just so uncomfortable. You could tell that he's just 
he doesn't want to be up there. He doesn't like the attention in the spotlight like that. Um, it comes across in almost everything that I've heard him do so far, unless if it's like a one-on-one interview. Yeah. Like, like he did the Hollywood Reporter Roundtable, and there were times where, like, they were asking him, like, oh, do you find acting to be fun? And he's like... Not really, no. Like, I don't really get, like, any enjoyment out of it. Like, like he takes his work so seriously. He's one of those really serious actors. And those people tend to not be showmans in, in this sort of way, you know? They tend to be very awkward and kind of, like, uncomfortable with the, the spotlight. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, he went into acting, I believe. He talked about this on Mark Maron's podcast as, like, a form of therapy after he went to some child AA meeting or something. Yeah, because they like, had to reenact um, uh, scenes at home like with their uh, parents yeah. or whatever. I mean, it's not like a happy have. success story. He, he takes his stuff very seriously and is a very uh, personal guy who, when he gets on stage, I do understand that. I mean, it's nice to get an award, but some people just crack under the pressure of it. I will say this. I, I asked um, people today um, in terms of their thoughts on the best actor race between him and Denzel Washington, uh, who they thought was going to actually, you know, win overall. And 71% said Casey Affleck. And this was um, not with a small number of votes. This was with uh, about four, like about 40 votes, which is, which is decent. You know, Um, I I didn't run the poll for that long. I only ran it for like a couple hours. Um, but 71% said Casey Affleck, 29% say Denzel Washington. This is the very definition, and I have only ever done this one other time, and that was with Mickey Rourke and Sean Penn. This is the only time where I think I may flip a coin to determine my Oscar prediction. I don't know if I can really go based off of feeling or logic. We'll talk about this more next week on our um, on our final predictions episode. Best Director, Damien Chazelle for La La Land. Lead Actress, Emma Stone for La La Land. Best Film, La La Land. So they pulled off uh, multiple wins at the end to win five BAFTA awards, a lot less than a lot of people thought that the film was going to walk away with. And in my opinion, the best thing that could have happened for La La Land today. Because I think that if it had done a sweep like it did at the Golden Globes and if it had won like a, maybe a record number of BAFTAs or something like that, backlash during the voting period would have still been very very strong but the fact that it got like a tempered uh response i think makes the haters uh that don't like that the film is being overpraised i think it calms them down a little bit it's like it turned itself into an underdog somehow that is not true whatsoever i will no strike that strike that from the record like the baftas not in the overall scheme of things then what are you talking about (laughs) it's like it starts off small and then goes back to get its thing at the end yeah i mean let me tell you the people behind the movie the way they're like marketing the film and just handling all the press and everything they've done a really great job with this movie you know, they've done a great job with the rollout. They've handled the backlash very, very well. The backlash hasn't even really... They be- know how to downplay it. Yeah. Yeah, they've done a really, really good job. And you know what? The, in the acceptance speeches, when people were getting up on stage, they were acknowledging that these very, very difficult times and the films um, bring people together. And they're, they're you know, they're, they're everybody's always trying to find a way to deliver a message that speaks to people uh, with their wins. And everybody knows that La La Land is kind of like the escapism uh, for the year, essentially. Um, 
And they're doing a really good job at selling it like that. And I think it's working with people. I see absolutely no reason why uh, the film does not, you know, walk into Oscar evening easily with five wins, uh, like guaranteed. The rest are all, uh, and they're, they're, the rest are all pretty shaky uh, at this point. Now, after BAFTA kind of threw, threw us for a loop in some areas, I think. So we'll see. Hey guys, this is JD from the Incession Film Podcast. Every week on our show, you can join my co-host Brendan and I as we review the latest films that's out in theaters. It also inspires us to discuss a top three list of some sort, and we have a lot of other fun movie discussions as well. It's always a blast. And we also have a show on Fridays called our Extra Film Podcast. This is a show that gives us the space to talk about the latest indies and art films and other classics that we normally just don't get to talk about on our main show. You can find our podcast on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, SoundCloud, TuneIn Radio, Player FM, and more. In fact, you can just see everything about us, including our social medias at IncessionFilm.com. So join us every week. We'd absolutely love to have you. Chris, so what are your thoughts on La La Land uh, with the BAFTAs right now? Do you think that, it, like, in terms of its wins here, um, are you expecting it to do, like, 8 to 12 Oscars or something crazy like that? Or are you expecting it to do, uh, maybe, say, somewhere around the vicinity of 6 to 10? I, I don't know. Like, are you expecting it to go high or low? Um, I don't know which how many I put it on for my predictions offhand. I know it was a lot. Um... I think the categories that we can definitely say it's going to win, it will. So I think I'm I'm going conservative and saying 10. And I'm kind of okay with that. If it if it goes less, I I'd be fine. At this point I'm fine with whatever it does because I think the movie is fine. I don't think it's worthy of beating any of the records held by, you know, actual you know, legends, but at this point, I think that the momentum is is hot and heavy, and people are still going to like it, as long as they don't uh, rewatch it more than once, because I've seen several critics say, wow, echoing my sentiments, which is the movie does not hold up on multiple viewings. So if Oscar voters are just now watching it once, you're going to get a lot of, you know, high praise. If they're watching it more than once, you might, I don't know, it could it could cost them something. I don't know. That's funny because it was the third viewing that really cemented it as something I loved. I, I, think, it, I think it just beat you into submission, Michael. Yeah. <laughs> um, I do have it winning right now, because uh, I know I asked you guys this before. I do have it winning nine Oscars as of today. Um, we will see how things change next week in uh, our final predictions episode. But right now I have it winning picture, Director, actress, cinematography, film editing, production design, score, song, and sound mixing. So it should be very, very interesting to see. Um, I want to move over to the Art Directors Guild really quick. Art Directors Guild awarded uh, three films uh, for production design. Uh, Best fantasy feature film was Passengers, which... As I've said, and Michael, you've said it too. Kristen, I don't know if we can get you to agree no matter what, but we're going to try. I think no matter what we all have to say about the film, I think the film has really, really good production design. I haven't watched it, and I'm not going to. Uh, okay. That's fine. 
period uh, uh, period feature went to Hidden Figures, which I did find to be a surprise here because, once again, Hidden Figures picks up another guild win, showing that it does have support uh, with the SAG win and now this. Um, I want to ask really quick, because WGA is next week, and by the way, La La Land won for uh, Contemporary Feature Film Production Design. WGA is next week. Does anybody have a feeling that Hidden Figures could win the WGA? What are the nominees again? Uh, an Adapted Screenplay, Arrival, Deadpool, Fences, Hidden Figures, and Nocturnal Animals. Okay, so I think that's going to be between Arrival and Hidden Figures. Yeah. Uh, Smart Money says Arrival, but you know what? Hidden Figures has been at the right place at the right time, and I really wouldn't be shocked if it went to that. Uh, righty, well, let's ask this ultimate question here. If Hidden Figures does win the WGA next week, Kristen, are you going to predict it to win the Oscar? Probably not. <laughs> okay, so even if it wins WGA, not gonna, you're not going to go with it. I think, you, I think you're going with Moonlight right now in your predictions, which we all are right now. So... Uh, we, I mean, are we all pretty much like set on this that nothing could beat Moonlight and adapted screenplay after it won the USC Scripter Award uh, this week? By the way, I think it's an eighty-five percent lock. I wouldn't say a hundred. That sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, original screenplay uh, for WGA next week is Hell or High Water, La La Land, Loving, Manchester by the Sea, and Moonlight. Uh, what are you guys picking there? It's it's pretty tough, I think. Yeah. Uh, I think if Manchester by the Sea wins, we could pretty much confirm that that goes to the Oscar. If La La Land wins, uh, it makes a very good case for itself. And if Moonlight wins, then we have no idea. <laughs> uh, I will say this. If Manchester by the Sea wins WGA, I will predict it to win the Oscar. But I'm still going to be uh, very hesitant about it because... That Golden Globe stat has never, ever, ever been broken in the history of Golden Globes, which is that if the film won Best Screenplay at the Golden Globes and went on to win the Oscar for Best Picture, it never lost the uh, award for screenplay if it wasn't if it was up for it. Yeah, I mean, it makes a good case for itself. Uh, I like them both. I would be happy with either one. Kristen, what, what do you think here? I mean, I'm gonna, I'm, I'm sticking with Moonlight in all categories. So, but, I mean, Manchester, it's the script. I think a lot of people are able to praise without feeling icky about it. So. Yeah, I, I think that no matter what people feel about Manchester, like I myself wasn't totally high on it this year. I like it. I just don't love it, and. I, a lot of that just had to do kind of like with the um, overall like design choices and uh, the, the use of the uh, editing, um, things like that. But I, I can't fault that screenplay. That screenplay is just so well written. But then again, I said the same thing about Lincoln a couple years ago and that lost to Argo. So maybe La La Land is this year's Argo, which is a comparison I know many people have been making uh, recently. So... The other thing that happened this week uh, was the NACP Image Awards, um, which were interesting because it gave a chance for Denzel Washington to give yet another speech, which he killed, by the way. Have you guys seen the speech? I have not, but uh, everyone keeps telling me to watch it, and I will very shortly. 
Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It is phenomenal. It just once again goes to show you that if enough voters uh, see this like speech right now during the voting period and they see like how much of just a showman, uh, showman he is and how charismatic he is, I can't. I have such a hard time believing that Casey Affleck is going to beat him for Best Actor. I have such a hard time seeing it happen at this point. Well, that speech has gone viral now. I mean, it's taken the place of tasty videos on my Facebook feed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, people are seeing it, so that could really help them out. And, you know, another interesting, too, about the Image Awards, you know, Moonlight wins for directing, it wins for writing, um, it wins for an independent motion picture, Mahershala Ali wins, but guess what film wins Best Picture of the Year? Hidden Figures. Oh. Yeah. Hidden Figures wins Best Picture, Taraji P. Henson wins uh, Best Actress. So... Once again, I think like it's one of those things where I, I, I can't help but feel like with films like Lion um, and Hidden Figures, and, I, and I've said this before on previous shows, I am definitely a victim of underestimating the quote-unquote light movies. Mm-hmm. I, I do it every single year, <laughs> and yet I can't help but feel like for those two films in particular, Lion and Hidden Figures, there is momentum and a groundswell that is happening right now. One of them would have won Best Picture in the 90s. <laughs> That's so true. Along you with the English patient. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I think if the race went until March and there was more time for this La La Land backlash, which I don't really understand, but that's another subject. If there was more time for the La La Land backlash to form, I think Hidden Figures might be our Best Picture winner if it, this went on longer. Michael, can I try to like get you to understand the backlash? No, I do get where it's coming from. I just am immune to it since I adore the film, and I really don't want to yeah. participate in it because I don't want to ruin something I love. I mean, movies are supposed to be fun. I don't. No, wanna... no, no. I'm not. A- I'm not asking anybody to ruin the movie because it's the thing about the backlash with the movie is that it's not actually directed at the movie itself. I know it's for the Oscars. Yeah, it's with the awards, and just people just don't want it to win. People like Kristen said before, she doesn't think it deserves to break the record, right, Kristen? That and the fact that I have issues with the movie itself. <laughs> I mean, I guess it's just a whole personal thing. We've said before that. I mean. I don't care what wins the Oscar. I just like following the politics of the race. Mm -hmm. I mean, it could be Avengers versus Transformers, and I'd still be interested in how it functions in terms of the campaigning and the marketing of it. You know what? That's a really good question. Um, The first Avengers film versus the first Transformers film in an alternative reality where those two films are the only two films nominated for Best Picture. uh, Kristen, which film wins? Avengers. There's not even a contest. One's a movie. One's <laughs> masturbation material. <laughs> Michael, do you do you agree? Yeah, I can't argue with that. All right, that was a li- that was fun. Uh, I think we might have to do like alternative Oscar universe of like alternative who, who... facts. Yeah, <laughs> that's what that's what my mom and I play. My mom just gives me really bad decision making uh, things involving movies I love actors i love and then i have to admit to like horrible horrible things so it's not any different from what i do at home this is oscar season in trump's america and best (laughs) picture goes to steve mnuchin film Uh, (laughs) i was just gonna say hacksaw ridge um but uh i'm gonna ask one more because this is fun uh ryan reynolds in deadpool uh for best actor versus ryan gosling in the nice guys who do you vote for ryan gosling Ryan Gosling. <laughs> Michael? 
Gosling. Gosling. Again, these are these are questions that have a very clearly defined ans- right answer. The Academy that didn't even give Ryan Reynolds uh, Deadpool a makeup nom yeah. is not going to give it a Best Actor nom. Yeah, yeah. You know, somebody, I read an article um, earlier today, or maybe it was yesterday, I'm not exactly sure, but it was all about Best Picture and Blockbusters, and somebody was just asking, how come Blockbusters don't ever really get their due in things like Best Picture? And it's like... They're not good enough. <laughs> No, 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 no. It's not. No, it's not that. It, 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 it isn't that, because you know, f- film is subjective. Uh, whether, whether we want to believe it or not, uh, I've come to realize this myself over the last couple of months, which hurts me uh, to a certain degree. But what it really comes down to is that the Oscars are a f- way for these films to make money. It's a capitalist system. Yeah, and the blockbusters don't need that, you know? Some people do get caught up in the whole um, idea of something like a Fantastic Beast and where to find them, you know, needs to be recognized in, like, the craft categories. But that's because, not because uh, uh, it needs the money or anything like that. It's because it truly is the best, and there are people that still believe that. But you're not going to see that movie ever nominated for something like Best Picture or anything like that. I don't care, like, how good it is. Like, you know, uh, you could take whatever the best Harry Potter film was, whatever the best one was in your opinion. There's no way it ever gets nominated for Best Picture. And that's not because it's not worthy. It's just because Best Picture is meant to highlight films that, quite quite frankly, are mostly underseen for the most part. And people know that this acts as like a vault that people can dip into um, in later years, and they'll be like, oh, this film uh, says here was nominated for Best Picture or won Best Picture. Uh, I don't know. But look at Avatar. Why did Avatar get nominated then? Because Avatar was unlike anything that anybody had really ever seen before. That's like that's like literally the best thing I can equate that to is Avatar getting nominated for Best Picture and Best Director is Star Wars in the 70s being nominated for Best Picture and Best Director. Right, new technology and all of that. But yeah, it's the same exact I guess comparison. You could look at, I know it's not the same as in Avengers, but The Martian had made money by the time it got nominated. The Martian was walking a fine line between art and commerce. It really was. It was a commercial film. Ridley Scott is definitely a director for hire. He's not so much the auteur that many people think he is. But there was um, there was something about The Martian where I would equate it a lot to something like Hell or High Water this year, where it's like it is just really solidly well written, well crafted, well shot, just well genre affair. It's well put together, and it's a movie that people had a hard time finding something negative to say about it. That's that's really what it came down to. You know what I mean? A film that um, has prestige attached to it, it, it can be a genre film and still make it into best picture. Look at Arrival. Arrival is a sci-fi film that's more sci-fi than The Martian or Gravity because it deals with aliens. But yet it got more... Um, uh, well, actually, no, Gravity... Uh, got more but i mean like it's still for a film that features aliens you know and for it to get what it got here i mean that's that's very significant but it's because the film is not doing it in the blockbuster sort of way it's approaching it um thematically aesthetically as an art film 
Yeah, it definitely is uh, on that higher brow than some of these other films. But uh, yeah, it has a place to be in there. Yeah. All right. Well, we've been we, we've gone off on a couple of tangents here tonight. Uh, we're going to now talk about actually uh, to finish things off for this week. Um, two trailers that were released uh, this week that I want to get your uh, your thoughts on, guys. Uh, let's start off with A twenty four's latest film. Uh, it's a horror film, or at least it looks like it's a horror film. It's called It Comes at Night. It stars uh, Joel Egerton, Riley Keough, Christopher Abbott. Um, And it is directed by Trey Edward Schultz, who directed Cretia. Let's take a look at that trailer. I think that Will and I should be the only ones who go outside for a while. We don't know what made Stanley sick. We don't know anything. Nobody touched him, so I think we're fine, right? Positive. You just opened the door, right? You didn't go in. I didn't touch the door. You didn't what? It was already open. What? The door was already open when you got there? Yeah. Then who opened it? If you're lying to me, I will kill you. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay. Well, that was that was that was moody. It's a well-made trailer. And I'm naturally skeptical about horror movie trailers because so many are well-made. It's easy to convey fear, and it's hard to actually create a, have a movie to back that up. So I'm, I'm reserving judgment until I actually see it. <laughs> but, uh, did you see Cresha? No. Kristen? No. Okay. So I'm the only one that's seen Cresha. I think Will's seen it, though. Um... Uh, because of the strength of that film, I'm very um, excited because I thought he showed great promise with that debut uh, feature film. So uh, I'm definitely curious and excited. Uh, you know, obviously these sophomore slumps sometimes happen. So I'm in, I'm still in wait and see mode. But the way that the trailer is constructed, um, it gets my vote so far as my favorite trailer of 2017 so far. Um, I really do like trailers that play around with sound and also um, have kind of like that repeating uh, structure to it, kind of like something like a serious man did in its trailer, uh, which I really, really like. So, uh, Michael, what, what do you think of the trailer here? What, what do you think of it? Look, I mean, to quote Austin Powers, not my bag, baby. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> You've definitely pulled that out of your ass. Like, where did that come from? <laughs> Look, I mean, there's an audience for this, and I'm sure it's a very well-made film. I, I'm just not the audience for, uh, you know, atmospheric horror. Just like The Witch I admired for what it was. It just isn't my type of thing. So I'm sure this is a well-made piece of work, and people will like it. I just personally can't get that excited for it. 
Yeah, no, I hear you on that. Uh, maybe it will be this year's The Witch for, for you, for other people. Who knows? You know, we'll, we'll see. So, I mean, look, we all like our different things. I'm the one looking forward to Beauty and the Beast. So, I mean. Hey, hey, <laughs> hey, I'm looking forward to Beauty and the Beast, too, man. That looks great. I'm so I'm so glad somebody's excited for that movie. Yeah. That movie's gonna do that movie's gonna make a killing at the box office. That movie is going to oh my I don't even wanna think about how rich those people are gonna get off of it. <laughs> yeah. This is where I started thanking myself for having Disney stock. Uh lucky. Jesus. I'm I'm just gonna be sitting in the theater saying, Did we really need this? We, the original's so good. Mind you, I'm going to take all of that back in about 10 seconds, but when we talk about something else, but <laughs> I'm just saying, in this case, um, I, I have serious problems with that movie, so I'm not looking forward to it. Well, let's talk about that other film here. Um, Sofia Coppola has her new film coming out that she wrote and directed uh, that is a remake of a film from the 70s that was directed by uh, John Siegel, starring... Um, Clint Eastwood. It's called The Beguiled. It's got a great cast starring um, Colin Farrell, Nicole Kidman, Elle Fanning, uh, Angori Rice, Kirsten Dunst. Am I forgetting anybody here? Those those are the main people, right? Una Lawrence is in there. I think that's it. Yeah, well, check out the trailer, people. need to help quickly he's losing blood i pray that the lord see fit to restore the health of the wounded soldier we ask for your protection over our school and we pray that we will be kept from harm throughout the night amen seems like the soldier being here is having an effect if you could have anything in the world what would it be to be taken far away from here we can show him some real southern hospitality. Corporal McBurney's stay here has taught us all a very important lesson. Can I get you anything? The enemy is not what we believe. Let me tell you something. I was excited for uh, It Comes at Night. I think I might be more excited for this. Um, I've never seen the original film. I don't really know exactly what the story's going to be in terms of its twists and turns, but this just looks like it's got that winking devil, delicious fun aspect to it that in a very fucked up sort of way. Okay, everybody stand back, because I am the one representing this movie, because I have been excited for this since Sofia Coppola announced it, and I'm not just saying that because her publicist agent person called me to congratulate me on writing an article about it, either. Um, but but I, I freaking love the 71 movie. Okay, 71 movie is a Clint Eastwood masterpiece, and I don't give a shit about 
cowboy movies or whatever the hell, okay? I This movie is amazing. Um, I don't think... In the 70s, the problem is, is that this movie needs to be remade. Because in the 70s version, it's pretty much a vanity project for Clint Eastwood. Because it's essentially him with a bunch of women who, like, want to have his D. That's about it. That's the whole movie. There's a feminist leaning in it, but it's really hard to disassociate it from Clint Eastwood's persona at the time. This is, like, a total feminist film. Uh, based on the trailer that I'm seeing. Um, I do know how things end, and yeah, it's definitely gonna be fucked up. Um, I can't wait yeah. for all the... I can't Sign wait. Me up. I can't wait for all the alt-right Breitbarters to um, say this is proof of, like, the female agenda or whatever, but um, yeah, Colin Farrell looks... I mean, if you need a Clint Eastwood-esque character in terms of, like, a guy women would literally sell their ovaries for. You can't do any worse than Colin Farrell. Um, can't do any better either. And I'm just, I'm so excited. I'm so excited. I've watched this trailer way too many times and I need June to be here now. Now. I've watched it a bunch of times to admire. It's, uh, it's cinematography, which I was definitely uh, very much uh, sucked in by. Um, I also was just, I, I found this like, intrigue intriguing mystery um to like what the plot was and like just trying to figure out like what is this movie about like is he is he turning the women on each other are they like like what's going on are they getting they're getting back at him and then why is he yelling at the end oh my gosh like i'm i'm very intrigued very 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 bare bones plot wounded union soldier gets taken care of by a group of women who run a girl's school that's it that's it well, that's the bare, bare bones plot. Bare there's bones gotta, plot. There's got to be like it's some a psychological sort of... drama. Yes, and keep in mind that this this movie is like filled with Shakespearean, like Tempest esque type of connections. Like this is the first dude most of these women have ever seen. So, uh, in the Clint Eastwood version, it's like women lose their mind over dick. Like that's essentially the the plot. Um, whereas in I think with a woman director, you're gonna get a lot more nuance to that. <laughs> Do you think something like this could possibly um, trigger the MPAA to get an NC-17? No. Okay, it's not that kind of material? No. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, no, it's, it's, the 71 version was chased, and I don't anticipate this being any more or less, so yeah. Hmm. You know what the first thing that came to my mind was when I saw the trailer? What? Lemonade. (laughs) A song, actually, not Lemonade. I'm wild again, beguiled again. Um, I was <laughs> going to say, I don't know if Cole Porter's appropriate for that movie. <laughs> Rogers and Hart. Oh, not okay. To me- not to mention, I, I, I hereby expel you from ever singing on the podcast ever again. Uh, we'll see. <laughs> we got a few more musicals coming up. So Dr- I'm drawing up a royal decree on the matter. <laughs> yeah, I, am, I will have a nice handy-dandy countdown calendar counting down the days uh until until this because it'll take my mind off of counting down the days till call me by your name comes out so i need something to get here like now for me yeah this looks great you know what Kristen? hmm you know what i'm 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 thinking i'm thinking here i'm listening to you i'm hearing you and (laughs) i can't help but feel that this is going to be very similar in terms of your love for nocturnal animals (gasps) 
essentially what we're saying is that this is the year of Kristen's favorite things because I secretly believe that Hollywood makes movies with me in mind. Me specifically in mind. So I am going to now, um, I'm going to basically go back and I'm going to um, recant everything that I said and I'm going to now say, I really hope this movie sucks (laughs) because I would love to see if you still praise it even if contrary to all of the evidence out there it's just really terrible i would i would i would love it and i will preemptively tell you it really depends on various bias factors that i am not going to disclose but Uh. as evidenced by my friends who will tell you that i will try to argue and make light of any piece of garbage that i can if it has a pretty face in it um yeah that's not gonna be difficult assassin's creed Exactly. Capes! <laughs> Jeremy Irons in a cape! The movie was amazing! Now, Kristen, what do you prefer? Jeremy, <laughs> Jeremy Irons' cape or Colin Farrell's uh, coat in Fantastic Beasts? Oh, God. That's tough. Um, <laughs> I'm going to go Colin Farrell coat on this one. <laughs> All right, but we'll see if uh, the Beguiled has anything else up its sleeve. Keep in mind, these are the these are the questions that I get asked. These are the uh, F. Mary Kill things that I get asked about. <laughs> You've been listening to the next. <laughs> I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Uh, no, I'm not really. I'm. I'm really not kidding. Um, we're, we're. We're. Yeah, we're gonna. We're gonna get out of here. Michael, where can they find you on the internet? You can find me on Mike Movie over these next couple of weeks, where I will be second guessing myself when it comes to Oscar and doing all that fun stuff that comes with those final days of the season. And Kristen, I think you and I. I think you and I are gonna have a Michael Schwartz uh, love it or hate it uh, relationship when it comes to reviewing films this year in 2017. Do I have to worry about you, Kristen? Probably. <laughs> you should. <laughs> hmm. Where can they find you on the internet? I take any and all weird ass either or questions involving hot guys uh, on Twitter at journeys underscore film, so. I do not accept such questions at Next Best Picture on Twitter. However, um, we do appreciate any feedback that you could send to the Next Best Picture podcast over to iTunes. You can also subscribe to us on SoundCloud, TuneIn. Um, Did I also mention iTunes? Yeah, iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and Player FM. Thank you, everybody, so much for listening. Oscar predictions next week. You better be there. We will see you all next time. You've watched them in unforgettable adventures, love affairs, tragedies now it's time to hear their own remarkable stories from the makers of death of a rock star and death of a sports star this is death of a film star starring heath ledger marilyn monroe chadwick boseman robin williams carrie fisher and bruce lee search for death of a film star in your podcast app You've seen them tell stories. Now it's time to tell theirs.